Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have John Demolis, and we're talking about application of data science in the power industry. Welcome, John. Awesome. Look forward to it. Great. So let's start with an introduction. Tell us why you're so cool. Oh, man. Um, other than my uh, extensive action figure collection, um, oh, you know, wow. I would say a few different things. So uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to spend uh, all of my postgraduate career at General Electric and uh, seen a lot of different facets of the power industry. So from business intelligence in the nuclear energy sector to uh, similar analytics applications in the locomotive uh, sector. Uh, and now uh, wrapping up here, started a role in Atlanta with power services uh, globally. Awesome. Okay. And where did you go to school? I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Which I hear is also a pretty decent school. It's all right. Aside from, you know, where we went. And uh, computer science. Very awesome. Great. So uh, let's start with the current state of power. And I I worked in utilities for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people think it's boring. I think it's very exciting. Um, (laughs) Electrifying. It is electrifying. Oh, I heard that. So what's the current state of of power and where just kind of where are we? Set the background for us. Yeah, I would say um, regarding kind of data science in the power industry, um, we've got a wide spectrum between customers and even functions within a customer. Um, so when you get into areas such as uh, maintenance and operations, uh, I'd say they're definitely warming up and, and starting to understand the value proposition of data science and um, analytic modeling mm-hmm. uh, and kind of specifically their application to business value. So we've, we've graduated a little bit from being the science fair project and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not only kind of senior leadership and, you know, within the IT circles and, you know, within kind of the engineering circles, mm-hmm. um, functions like finance, uh, marketing, pricing um, are really, really kind of warming up to the tools and technologies there. But kind of with that appetite and, you know, understanding the art of the possible, mm-hmm. um, I think we're running into a lot of similar data challenges that we find in other industries. So, you know, things like, you um, availability of data, cleanliness of data, uh, understanding and kind of trying to navigate the jungle of tools and platforms and vendors Mm -hmm. out there. Um, But uh, I would say, you know, overall, um, extremely optimistic in terms of the value that data science and analytics can bring to power. Cool. Um, If you were to guess, I don't know how familiar you are with some of the other verticals out there, but where would you think that power stands with analytics adoption compared Mm -hmm. to, say, like, I don't know, retail like Coke or. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say maybe not quite as mature as, you know, consumer package uh, industry, Um, you know, from, from what little experience I have in those, in those sectors, you know, they've really embraced things like dynamic pricing models, um, you know, marketing forecasts, customer segmentation, kind of a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly, you know, by the nature that they're, they have extremely high volume, more homogenous transactions, mm-hmm. um, where when you talk about, say, unplanned outages for a heavy-duty gas turbine in a power plant, mm-hmm. you know, those, those, you know, cross fingers hoping extremely infrequently right. versus, 
you know, pricing data or analyzing transaction data, you know, those are happening hundreds of time. thousands of times a day. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So some of it you think has to do with um, the nature of just the, the operations of it and where the, what the data would look like. That's right. Okay. I would say a function of data availability as well as the cycle time to identify value mm-hmm. from the time you implement an analytic model. So mm-hmm. just because consumer industry, almost near real time, you implement a model, you can start to see value, you can start to see impact almost right away mm. versus, you know, when you implement maybe a longer term forecasting model for unplanned outages, mm-hmm. it takes months, if not years, to actually gauge whether or not that model actually worked, whether mm-hmm. it's accurate, whether it actually manifested itself in value in the industry. Right. And it seems like it would happen infrequently enough that it's difficult. That's right. Almost That's like right. security fraud, right? That's right. Exactly. Okay. I see. Um, what other challenges do you think would be unique in power when implementing analytic solutions? Yeah, so um, it, it's interesting. It's it's some of the similar things that I faced uh, when I was in the locomotive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think, well, okay, power plants, they have gas turbines, they have steam turbines, generators, um, but these vary wildly in kind of their generation. Mm-hmm. So you can have a heavy-duty gas turbine that's, you know, 30 years old, running right next to one that's, you know, five years old. And so the maturity of, you know, the maturity of the technology, um, the the availability of sensors, you know, across a wide variety of metrics just on the same type of equipment is, is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so variation within a plant, you've got plants that are in wildly different conditions. So um, whether it's uh, remoteness, so you have connectivity, challenges you're trying to overcome or hot, harsh environments. So it's more environmental challenges you're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say that's, you know, that's some of the uniqueness, uh, in addition to just the fact that it's, it's a bit more of a heterogeneous data set. So mm-hmm. if you think about, um, doing a social media sentiment analysis, you can dump a ridiculous amount of information from the Twitter API, for example, right, right. but it, it's all the same data. It's, you know, has essentially the same attributes, um, and it's a you know a rich homogeneous data set, but when you're trying to harmonize even a, something as simple as a temperature reading from different generations of sensors with all of the connectivity environmental challenges, mm-hmm. um, it just it introduces an additional hurdle when you're trying to do some of these sophisticated modeling techniques. Got it. So um, you mentioned variations within a plant and um, some of the operations based applications. What are some other examples of current types of applications and then where are where would you like to see more data science yeah so um i would say you know one of the one of the cool things about power is there is an incredibly wide spectrum of applications for modeling yeah um and it's everything from things that are kind of power specific Mm -hmm. uh so one example is um if you're looking at optimization for example there's a lot of different trade-offs you can make when you're deciding how to run a heavy-duty gas turbine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, in the summertime, um, you can get more for you can get more more revenue per megawatt per hour because everybody's running their air conditioners and all that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's much more demand on the grid, and so hence you know higher prices paid to utilities for for power output. Right. So, in the summertime, you potentially want to run your gas turbines hotter, which uh, consumes more fuel, so mm-hmm. it's higher cost. And it also potentially reduces some of the part life because, you know, higher firing temperature, just kind of the physics of a gas turbine, mm-hmm. um, it degrades the parts more quickly. So you have shorter intervals between planned maintenance and higher risk of unplanned maintenance. So uh, 
optimizing giving all given all of these trade-offs is um, you know is an extremely complex and deep example you know more specific to the power industry mm-hmm. um, but it's a it's kind of a perfect example where you have the marriage of um, what I would call you know physics-based modeling uh, leveraging a lot more of the engineering domain expertise mm-hmm. and a lot of the the, the data-driven and data-inspired modeling using statistical techniques paired with and complementary to the engineering domain expertise. So, you know, that's an example that's, uh, you know, very specific to the power industry, a little bit more on the engineering side. Um, Similarly related to the power industry, but, you know, more heavily weighted toward the statistical uh, modeling methodologies are things like logistic optimization. So um, as part of a services business, so we, we service... Uh, utility assets, um, but we also actually have some contracts on operating plants uh, ourselves if our customers choose to engage us in that manner. Um, we have field engineers that we need to deploy around the globe. So, um, you know, classic examples, forecasting, modeling. Mm-hmm. So what what types by region, by uh, uh, domain expertise, you know, do we need to forecast for mm-hmm. so that we can staff up, we can make sure that we have the right folks with the right level of certifications to meet uh, future demand, um, as well as potentially forward deploying and staging resources in order to reduce the cycle time it takes to get a field engineer from, you know, home base to that power plant wherever it is uh, to reduce the downtime that that customers experience. Hmm. So there's, you know, forecasting technologies and methodologies that are required. And then in terms of, okay, we have an outage, which belly button do we send there? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's the hunting ground for optimization methodologies. So, you know, just like Amazon needs to figure out how and where to get your packages, Mm -hmm. you know, to your door in the, in the fastest amount of time, it's a combination of, uh, of predictive and optimization methodologies that are at play. Cool. Um, so what about upstream and downstream? I'm thinking about the, as far as manufacturing, the development of the assets. Yeah. Can you, do you see that as a future or is that already happening or maybe downstream even? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the other, uh, benefits of, you know, working at General Electric is we do both the manufacturing and the servicing of assets. Got so, it. um, you know, being able to correlate, uh, uh, attributes and events and actions that happen during the manufacturing process all the way downstream mm-hmm. to, um, you know, things like repairs, uh, uh, fallout, um, maintenance events. So because we know the pedigree and we, we kind of have that digital thread mm-hmm. from manufacturing through service and then not just of the assets itself, but when parts are removed and they go through a repairs process, kind of, you know, creating that digital thread all across that process Mm -hmm. just yields an incredibly rich data set to do, you know, optimization and, you know, forecasting. How can we forecast uh, repair demand based off of certain events that happen in the manufacturing process? And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, power is such an exciting domain for data science and analytics specifically. Um, But, you have to have not not perfect data because nobody will ever have perfect data. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about that. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Like that's that's the unicorn, right? But uh, but at least kind of the more the more enriched you can make your data sets by um, tying these different segments together, mm-hmm. um, it just gives you more opportunity to prove the art of the possible when it comes to analytics. And some some of those sound like they would take a long time because if you're talking about manufacturing some large asset like this and yeah. you got to wait years for it to, you know, 
go kaput on you. And then you uh, are able to kind of figure that out along the life cycle yeah. of this plant or of this asset. It seems like that would take forever. Are there are there certain um, verticals or applications that you guys can sort of borrow from and learn from? And are there verticals or applications outside of power that you think are transferable to what you've learned? Yeah, I would say... Um so, you know, we talked a little bit uh, about some power industry-specific analytic use cases, but also there's a lot of just general business applications of data science and analytics. So, you know, doing things like um, cash position forecasting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, money comes in, money goes out. Um, everybody needs to understand their cash balance and their liquidity position, whether you're, you know, you make gas turbines or you make, you know, headphones or, you know, you run a dog walking business. Like you need, you need to understand that position. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, we, we, uh, kind of dip our toes into and, mm-hmm. uh, and work with. Um, so you don't have to be in power for this to even make sense. That's exactly I right. Mean, a lot of this is that's transferable. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah cool. And, and that's, um, you know, we, we get folks, uh, coming into the power industry, you know, everyone thinks, oh, I don't have any experience in the power industry. Like, you, you know, you don't have to to get introduced to it. You can use a lot of the more uh, generalized experience and tools and methodologies um, to still add value mm-hmm. and demonstrate uh, the impact of data science and analytics. And then you can kind of through those efforts, you, you know, you get exposed a little bit more to the industry specifically, right. and then you can start to apply some of those tools and methodologies to more domain-specific applications. Got it. Got it. Okay. Can you give us um, one example and just kind of walk us through maybe if it, that's a project or some kind of solution or a system that you guys have worked on either at, at GE or, or elsewhere? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one specific, uh, example I alluded to is, uh, is kind of, you know, field engineer deployment. So, um, what's important for our customers is that, you know, we, we minimize, absolutely minimize the, uh, amount of time it takes to get parts and boots on the ground Mm -hmm. and, uh, exercise and, uh, uh, complete maintenance activities. So, you know, we said, okay, um, we want to build this forecasting model around field engineers. Um, all right, well, what does it take to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we need to understand, you know, what was the historic demand, uh, both planned demand and unplanned demand? Mm-hmm. Um, what was the historic resourcing requirements? Uh, you know, where was the work done? And then taking that as an input, um, kind of doing a, say, more traditional modeling exercise, you know, you split the data between test and train, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, you know, create this forecasting model. Um, do your, you know, run it on, on the, the, the test data set. Um, uh, set extremely clear expectations with our business partners. Okay, what level of accuracy is is kind of good enough? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be 100%. Never. Um, <laughs> so at least set that baseline expectation, which is important. Uh, you know, and I might I might talk about it later because adoption, if if people don't use your model. Yep. Like that was... That's the good. It was fun. Yeah. But, you know, right. you basically wasted your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, just kind of test and refine the model until it got to a, uh, a baseline level of accuracy. And then um, also, so kind of the dynamic with that is there's both planned and unplanned events. So obviously, you know, you know what the future planned events are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can, you can kind of create a resource demand stream attached to that. And then based off of historic data, you can, you can create the, 
complementary resource demand stream specific to unplanned events. Mm -hmm. And then that's, you know, that's your forecast. Hmm. Um, And then, you know, packaging around the model some mechanisms so that, you know, our business users can, you know, input the inputs that they need, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's the planned event schedule or whatever, um, and then be able to consume the output of that forecasting model, um, you know, is, is kind of the putting the bookends on the project, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, how, did, how did, for example, that one in particular with the um, field engineer deployment, how did that business question come about? I mean, how did you pick? You probably have like a, tons of things <laughs> that you could have done. So is yeah. this the most visible and, and people were crying the loudest or how did you choose? So I would say it's, it was a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, um, it was one where we could draw kind of a brighter line from implementing a forecasting model Mm -hmm. to business impact. So, you know, if we can say, all right, if we get 10% better in our ability to forecast, which reduces cycle time uh, to deploy engineers to the field by X, like Mm -hmm. that equates to a certain business value. So um, I would say, you know, bright line from modeling exercise to business impact is one factor. Mm -hmm. Um, The second factor was this is one where we had a good, data set to work with. Ah. Um, so kind of, you know. So t- you're telling me yeah, real, are right. you? You're telling me the truth. That's awesome. Okay. So um, when, how was this information um, used? I mean, are you able to say, here's how much we can save in our operations because of our uh, learnings? Or how, how do you prove, quote unquote, that you've done something good? Yeah. So part of it is... Um, kind of identifying what those what those value metrics are ahead of mm-hmm. time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cycle time to deploy field engineers, um, you know, uh, utilization of field engineers, um, you know, so those kind of factors you can, we can now tie, all right, we implemented the model, fast forward six months, what's the impact of, you know, impact of the model to those specific value measurements? Yeah. And then, you know, we know, all right, if we increase utilization by 5%, you know, that equates to X value for our customers because we reduced downtime by, you know, Y. Or yeah. we reduced cycle time to execute uh, uh, maintenance events by, you know, Z, something like that. Nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you define you define up front, like, this is our business question. Here's how we're going to use it. These are the metrics that are going to show how much improvement has been made. That's right. And in many ways, you're lucky because it's not always that easy. You know, uh, I make it sound easy. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not. I mean, but even in, in other yeah. in other areas, especially if you're trying to do something like, um, I come from marketing analytics, and it's yep. like, well, yeah, we Im- improved perception. Well, how the heck are you supposed to prove the improved perce- perception? Right. So sometimes a little more difficult and on the operations side, um, maybe a tiny bit more tangible, but still tricky. Um, so we'll wrap with one last question, which is what final piece of advice would you give an analytics professional in the power industry that's really trying to push more data science. I mean, there's tons of opportunities, but sometimes there's barriers to those. So what would you say is is your final piece of advice for these people? So I would say, um, so, so a few things, I know you said peace, but I can't just, no, I understand. I I get it. Um, So I would say one is kind of start with a lighthouse use case Mm -hmm. and then scale from there. So, Mm, interesting. Reaching back to the you know our previous discussion, that was one of the reasons why we picked this one. One, you know, bright line to business value. We had a data set. Yeah, it's not the number one business problem, but mm-hmm. it's one that we could solve and prove value. So now people know, okay, you know, data and analytics, it's not a science fair project. It's not, 
you know, a bunch of, you know, crazy scientists and lab coats running around saying they can do cool stuff. Like there's actual gold here. Mm. So it builds up organizational credibility Mm -hmm. in order to do, you know, further projects. So that's kind of the first thing. Um, The second thing that I, I also alluded to in the example is make sure that you identify both the expectations and um, the value proposition up front. So, you know, hello, Mr. Business Functional Partner. If we can impact your metrics by X, what does that equate to in terms of value mm. on, a, on a Y uh, a scale? Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, it does a couple things. One, uh, you know, if and when you do implement that project, mm-hmm. you know, you can high-five each other and actually have a quantifiable benefit behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, if you get down that path and you say, oh, we ran into this roadblock where we don't have the data we need, it it actually gives you a cost-benefit equation for going back and collecting that data. Because so oftentimes, you know, you try and build a model, the data is not available, and the business is like, well, you know, why should we, why should we bother collecting that data? Because you know, someone has to do an extra step in a process, or we might have to, you know, spend some investment to implement a new system. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's a cost associated with that. Well, right here you have the potential benefit associated with that activity. So mm-hmm. it's actual, you know, more of a scientific cost benefit discussion versus, you know, asking. Yeah. Um, and then, the you know, the third one is outside of implementing projects, I've personally spent a lot of my time in the organization just raising general awareness yes. about data science and Advocacy, analytics. Advocacy, right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And just demonstrating the art of the possible. Um, you know, I, I uh, oftentimes when I talk to our business partners and say, you know, here's some of the stuff we were doing. Here's what we've done for some of your peers. They're like, man, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Um, it's exciting, though, isn't it? It is. It's, I mean, it's super exciting, uh, especially when, you know, you can bring um, – tools and technologies combined with, uh, you know, new sources of data uh, that we didn't have access to before or it was cost prohibitive to store before um, with, you know, some of these very valuable use cases. Um, it's just, you know, is a really good hunting ground for, for data science and analytics. Awesome. So the um, some of the ones that you said were easy to see the return. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can identify expectations and the values up front. Mm-hmm. It gives you an opportunity to, um, like if there's visibility associated with it, it gives you an opportunity to advocate for data science. That's right. Uh, and, you know, it's tricky. The whole, we have this discussion all the time amongst other industry professionals, which is, do you start with a handgun or do you start with a nuke? You know, yeah. and that's always the trade-off. But, um it sounds like you're saying um, the handgun kind of start start small and then maybe you can grow it or at least have stages toward it. Has that been more successful? Yeah, I would say. I mean, the the, the key for us is to build you know build organizational credibility, like gotcha. I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of prove yourself, prove, prove that there's value associated with this mm-hmm. thing that we call data science and yeah. analytics, and right. then you know, then you can use that to potentially leapfrog a few steps and and you know get to the big juicy, meaty projects, which have more of a, an ambiguous value proposition. But yes. Start with something concrete and jump off from there would be my advice. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And um, one you didn't mention, but I wanted to see if this is a reality, which is how much do personalities play into it, like executive <laughs> sponsorships or champions? Does that? Do you think that plays a role? It does. Um, it does. I would say um, that's, you know, that's kind of another factor when you're picking this lighthouse use case and mm-hmm. where you're looking to build organizational credibility. Um, and you know, you can kind of, you can kind of go about it a few different ways. Um, if you do, if you're lucky enough Mm -hmm. and you find that business partner that, you know, maybe, 
um, you know, they're the ones that like to have the latest and greatest gadget or, you know, they're the ones that are, I mean, it, it sounds a little cliche, but, you know, they're the first ones that want to upgrade their cell phone because they want to play with, you know, whatever, whether it's, uh, you know, haptic feedback or, you know, edge displays or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can identify that and just spark their curiosity. Yeah. Um, it's not always where you think, is it? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, definitely not always where you think. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely looks, look outside uh, you know, 100% look outside of traditional, um, you know, IT engineering. Those are really good places to start, and you're mm-hmm. going to draw a lot of resources. But mm-hmm. when it comes for uh, comes to um, identifying the value proposition, mm-hmm. it's the operations managers, it's the plant managers, mm-hmm. it's the you know the buyers and sourcing. Um, it's you know it's those types of folks which will say. You know, yeah. I mean, if you could do this for me, then it would mean why benefit? Right, and like they get it. That's exactly yeah. right. They get it, and when when they become your advocates, it becomes much more powerful than you standing on the top of a mountain say, "Hey, look what we can do." Right, exactly. Awesome, great advice. Thank you again, John Demolis, for talking to us about application of data science in the power industry. Of course. Thanks again for listening to the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.